Ooh. All right, well, we are going to jump right into God's Word. How many of you love God's Word? Yes, me too. And I don't know what it is about tonight, but I'm so thankful that God gave me this Word, um, mainly for myself, but for all of us too. Um, I titled my message, Be That Girl. So turn to your neighbor and say, Be That Girl. Be That Girl. We're going to open up. Um, and if you've got your notebooks, get your Bibles and get your notebooks or your journals, or your notes app, whatever it is. But we're going to read James 1, 19 through 25 right now. And I think it'll be on the screen. Here we go. My dear brothers and sisters, sisters say hey, hey, always be more willing to listen than to speak. Keep control of your anger. Anger does not help you live the way God wants. So get rid of everything evil in your lives, every kind of wrong you do. Be humble and accept God's teaching that is planted in your hearts. This teaching can save you. Do what God's teaching says. Don't just listen and do nothing. When you only sit and listen, you are fooling yourselves. Hearing God's teaching and doing nothing is like looking at your face in the mirror and doing nothing about what you saw. Ooh. Whoa. God? No. Doing nothing about what you saw. You go away and immediately forgot, forget how bad you looked. But when you look into God's perfect law that sets people free, pay attention to it. If you do what it says, you will have God's blessing. Never just listen to his teaching and forget what you heard. Woo! God's word. <laughs> That's good. Okay. I, so I told you, be that girl. Well, the girl I'm talking about tonight is a doer of the word kind of girl. A doer of the word. So let's just pray quick. Heavenly Father, as we gather into your presence tonight, our hearts are open to receive the wisdom, Lord, that you offer through your word. We want our lives to please you, Father. So God, I just pray that the things we've allowed to take hold in our lives that are hindering our relationship with you would be surrendered tonight. Thank you for your word that leads us. Help us fix our gaze on you, Lord, the one who directs our steps. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. When we were little girls, we all wanted to be something when we grew up, right? How many little girls in the room want to be something when you grow up? Raise your hand. Have we got any pop stars? Who wants to be a pop star? <laughs> yeah, singer, teacher? Any teachers? Yeah, Amy? Did you want to be a teacher when you were a little girl? I love that. And guess what? She's a teacher. So, woohoo! That's awesome. That is awesome. Some of you wanted to be teachers, princesses, singers, doctors, maybe even a vet. Uh, when I was little, I wanted to be three things. One, a mortician. <laughs> Two, a marine biologist. And three, I wanted to play in the WNBA. <laughs> but anyway, the first one, I, that slowly faded when um, I found out that you have to, to be a mortician, you deal with dead people. <laughs> Long story there. The second one, marine biology. Um, my love for that faded when Lake Aquabi was the you know, nearest body of water to our area. And then I'm 5'4", so WNBA did not work out. But I love basketball. I always have. I love playing it. I love talking about it. I love watching it. I even coach kindergarten through second grade basketball right now. It's super fun, yes? Um, I just love it. And being an avid basketball fan, I have really loved watching this one team lately, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Anybody with me? Yes, the Iowa Hawkeyes. The last few years, especially one of their players, 
know what I'm talking about? Caitlin Clark. How many of you agree she's incredible? <laughs> she's so fun to watch. And raise your hand. Is there anyone in here who doesn't know who Caitlin Clark is? It's okay. Okay. Let me just take your eyes to the screen. Check this, check this out. Here she is right there. Yeah, okay, that just gets me excited. Who wants to go watch basketball? <laughs> no, just kidding. This is more important. But I just love how she plays. She's making history. She's got so many triple doubles. She's the GOAT, which I had to actually look this up. It means greatest of all time. Anyone, did you know that? I actually had asked Pastor Donnie that. He told me. Sold out arenas to watch her play. Other colleges are selling out for the first time in history for their arenas when Iowa comes to town. She's so fun to watch. News articles have said she is her, which is a phrase that means she is someone that is true to herself, embracing who she is and the way she lives her life. She has characteristics that make her different from others. She stands out. She's that girl. Okay. Caitlin didn't become this girl, this player overnight, though. She has put in the practice, right? She knows she has put in the effort to know the game she is in. She knows the playbook. She practices unity with her team. She has perseverance. She's determined to overcome challenges. She has faith in the shots that she takes. She's ready to read the defense that's in front of her and to take note of what's being thrown at her so she can overcome it, so she can attack it. Do you get what I'm, where I'm going with this? Little bit. Okay, you and I are in a game of life, but it's more like a battle, all right? And here's the thing that's different about this game that we're in. Your soul is on the line. The girl next to you, her soul is on the line. The little girl you babysit, her soul is on the line. The girls in the cubicle over from you or across the, the hall in a different classroom, her soul is on the line. And it makes me kind of weepy because our eternities are at stake. How many of you love Jesus and you want to spend eternity with him, right? There's a destination we're trying to reach, a kingdom we want to inherit. And God's word, if you have your Bible, hold it up. This is the ultimate playbook right here. It's full of truth to help us recognize what the enemy is throwing at us and not just recognizing it, but overcoming it. And James 1.22 says this, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. What does it mean to be that girl? It means she puts in the effort to know God's word. She doesn't just hear it, but she does what it says. She knows her playbook. She practices unity with the sisterhood around her. She has perseverance. She is steadfast under trial, determined to conquer the enemy. She keeps her eyes on the prize, Jesus. And because she does this, she takes steps of faith, trusting that her leader will see her through. I need a drink of water. Can you hear this? <laughs> Give me a second. You may drink right now, too, if you have a drink. This is your time. Drink break. 
Okay. I watch a lot of basketball, and one night, no joke, during a commercial break, I was praying for God to help me write this message. <laughs> and he had given, um, he already given me a topic that I was really excited about, nervous about, but excited. And it, putting it together, it seemed like a daunting task. And I love that God used basketball to help some of this click in my head. He cares about the details, amen? So for those of you who may not know this, a fast break in basketball is a quick offensive play that occurs quickly, fast, when a player, when a team moves the ball up the court and attempt to score before the opposing defense can set up. Are you following? Okay. He tries, okay, so in our case, we're playing against the enemy, who is Satan, and the enemy's plan for your life is destruction, John 10, 10, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He tries to set up his defense so he can attack you before you have a chance to score. The enemy doesn't want you to be the girl God has called you to be. He doesn't want you to have God's blessing on your life. He wants you to choose, to choose sin over and over and over again. A quote I love from Lisa Bevere, I think we have it for the screen, it says this, the attacks on your life have much more to do with who you might be in the future than who you have been in the past. Here's the thing, Satan hates God. He hates him. And he really hates that God loves you. Why? Because you're created in God's image and every time he looks at you, he's reminded of God. He hates you. So he has an agenda to destroy every good thing God puts in your life. His desire to lead you away from what is good, right, and beautiful. And he has many strategies he uses to do so. And tonight we're going to talk about two in particular. Comparison and offense. Taking offense. Temptation as well. Tempting, right? And to avoid it, you got to be ready. We can't be that girl, a James 1.22 girl, if we, if we can't fast break from these attacks that are thrown at us daily. So point number one, if you have your notebooks, is fast break from comparison. Fast break from comparison. Being that girl means we have to break away quickly from the enemy's strategy of using comparison. Comparison is the tendency to weigh ourselves against others until we feel inferior to them or improperly superior over them. When those thoughts come in, we have to be quick to recognize them so we can break them before the enemy has a chance to act. So there are two types of comparison traps that we have to break away from. Number one is the inferior trap. Say that with me, the inferior trap. We live in a world where we see everyone's business all the time, right? What's the best way to do that? Facebook, social media, different videos. We can easily look at someone else's life, their abilities, their appearances, their accomplishments, their home, their personality, and think, wow, they have it better than me. Anyone been there before? If we're caught in this inferior trap, we are considering ourselves less than or of lower quality than something else. The enemy loves to whisper those lies. You know, you aren't as pretty as her. You don't have that many talents. You can't do anything with your life. You're so full of shame. You're never going to amount to anything good. You know what I'm saying? 
We've all fallen into this trap in some shape or some way, shape, or form. But it doesn't just end there with those lies. It gets messy. The devil is strategic and often uses the very thing that got him kicked out of heaven to get to us, which is envy. When we get stuck in the inferior trap, envy is often the byproduct. Envy is a feeling of discontent or a resentful dislike of another person who has something that one desires. Proverbs 14.30 says this, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Some people are envious over something. Okay, this might be hard to understand, but you'll get, you're ladies, so you'll get this. Some people are envious over something, but they don't want to appear that way, so they act in a way that's completely opposite of what they're feeling. Okay, so for example, let's say a woman goes into a friend's house, and this house is um, super organized, super clean and tidy, and this woman who is visiting starts looking around and realizing, oh, it's so clean and organized in here, and she starts comparing her house to the house she's in. She starts to fall into that inferior comparison trap, and instead of saying things like, wow, your house is so clean, you work really hard to keep it clean, this is great, it's more like, wow. Your house is like so clean. We don't clean like this. We just want to enjoy our kids and not spend time worrying about, you know, the mess. Have you ever dealt with a passive aggressive person <laughs> before? This inferior trap traps the girl that's comparing, which can cause her to make passive aggressive statements, which cause the other girl who has a clean house to jump right into this trap comparing herself to not being a good mom for cleaning because someone thought she doesn't care about her kids. It's messy. It's messy. This kind of stuff happens all the, all the time, and the enemy loves it. Galatians 5, 25 through 26 says this, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The Bible is clear on this. In fact, a few verses before this particular verse, Paul writes out a list of basically what keeps you out of heaven. And this is what it says, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. The wrong things the sinful self does are clear. Committing sexual sin, being morally bad, doing all kinds of shameful things, worshiping false gods, taking part in witchcraft, hating people, causing trouble, being jealous, angry, or selfish, causing people to argue and divide in separate groups, being filled with envy, getting drunk, having wild parties, and doing other things like this. I warn you now as I warned you before, the people who do these, thing, these things will not have a part in God's kingdom. Again, the enemy doesn't want you to go to heaven, right? He will use all of this to trip you up. The devil wants you to live according to your feelings. Jesus wants you to live according to his truth. And that truth sets you free. Jesus gives you the power to live a life free from envy. So that's the inferior trap. The second one is the superior trap. If we're caught in this superior trap, we are considering ourselves more than or of better quality than something else. We feel better about ourselves when we compare what we have to what others don't have. Paul makes it clear in Galatians 6, 3 through 4, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. 
What can be the root of comparison? Pride. Pride is a sense of self-respect or pleasure that comes from one's achievements, qualities, or possessions. However, it can also refer to the excessive or overly high opinion of oneself, often accompanied by a disregard for others. C.S. Lewis said this in his book, Mere Christianity. How many of you have read that book? It's a good book. This is what it says. We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking but they are not. They are proud of being richer or cleverer or better looking than others. If everyone else became equally rich or clever or good looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. It is the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. Once the element of competition has gone, pride has gone. God disproves of pride. We see this in James 4, 6 through 7, but he gives more grace, therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When we fast break, take a fast break from comparison, the devil will flee. I love that. I love that. What's sad about that, these traps is that when we fall into them both, we fall into them both. Can you agree? Why? It's because our eyes are usually on ourselves and not on the one it should be on. How do we break that? We turn our eyes to Jesus. We fix them on him. We fix our eyes upon Jesus by talking to him daily, studying his word, knowing our playbook, building a personal relationship with him, playing worship music in your home, letting it invade your space, bringing his name up in as many conversations as you can throughout the day. To be that girl, we can't lose sight of what God has given us, and we can't let envy get into our bones, and we can't let pride, comparison, puff us up with pride, causing us to think we're better than others, because God hates that. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We must repent from envy and pride and be prepared to break away from that comparison cycle in our minds, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source of our strength, right? Point number two, this one, fast break from being offended. Do we need a water break? I do. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, in Matthew 24, 3 through 25, the disciples asked Jesus this. They said, what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And Jesus gives them a list of signs that will intensify as the end draws near. He talks about religious deception, so false prophets, deceiving teachers. He talks about armed conflict and natural disasters happening, wars and earthquakes, persecution of God's people, and all these things. And as you're reading it, it can be intense, That sounds intense, doesn't it? 
but you can easily get lost in it, so lost that you miss what he says in verse 10. And so I have three different versions, Bible versions, I want to share with you. The NIV version says this, and at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. The message version says, and then going from bad to worse, it will be dog eat dog, everyone at each other's throats, everyone hating each other. Three, the amplified version says, at that time, many will be offended. How many of you can agree that we live in a culture of offense? Can, I mean, before someone says something that they think might offend you, what do they say? No offense. No offense, but no offense. Everyone seems to be offended by everything. And we get offended at something as small as a word. And if someone doesn't agree with you on a matter, guess what? You're offended by it. I read this part earlier, but I want to read it again. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We definitely live in a world where not many people are listening. In fact, our world is like the complete opposite of this verse. We are slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry, yes, which causes people to be easily offended and quick to anger. What does it mean to take offense? Well, there are many definitions I found out this, but this is the one I chose. Being offended refers to a state of feeling hurt, upset, or displeased by something someone has said or done. It can be words, actions, or expressions that are perceived as disrespectful or insensitive. It varies from person to person based on individual beliefs, values, and perspectives. It's important to note here that the word perceived is included because sometimes the person can intentionally try to offend you. And sometimes it's unintentional and you're offended by it anyway. You know what's also silly? Okay, more girl talk here, you'll understand. But when other people get offended on behalf of other people who weren't offended to begin with. <laughs> did you catch that? <laughs> okay, good. Good. For example, like let's say someone makes um, a joke at the expense of vegetarians. I love vegetarians, don't, worry, don't get me wrong. But they make a joke at the expense of vegetarians. No vegetarians are offended by the joke. They think it's funny. But somehow, someone else who is not a vegetarian begins a crusade against the person who made the joke because it's offensive to vegetarians. I thought this one was funny. When I was researching the topic like of offense, I came across a lot of different articles, but these writers or readers of this blog wrote in about times when they were offended by something. And one writer said, one time someone got offended when I put on my seatbelt. They thought I was commenting on their ability to drive. What? What? Um, I'm not immune to offense. I promise you that right now. I have a funny story. Um, slow drivers make me angry. <laughs> like super angry. And I, I can get offended so easily when I'm driving. And I don't know what this is, whether it's the school pickup line. Anyone can relate, maybe, or just something. But the other day, I was on my way to church early in the morning. I had my kids with me. And we were coming down this hill. And it was the morning that it was like super cold. There was tons of snow on the ground. The sides are like packed with snow. And uh, there's this SUV coming down the road. And I am in my minivan and driving. And this SUV is like hugging the center line, like getting into my you know, my business as I'm going down. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I started like doing this with my hand, move over like this. And they get closer. They're more in my lane and kind of all over the place. And I'm like, come on, move over. And then I see that their hand starts to like 
do this. And I'm like, oh. And I'm moving them. They think I'm waving at them. And just when our windows pass each other, it's my sister. <laughs> um, and if you're wondering which one, it's the one who drives the SUV, not the, not the toaster car. <laughs> not that one. But oh, I was so mad. And then right when we saw each other, I was like, ha, ah. <laughs> Good golly. This is funny, but the hard truth is the littlest things can offend us, right? And then there's the big things. Nobody wants to talk about this part. The hurtful comments someone made about you and then spread to other people, a hurtful conversation that took place between you and a friend, a painful breakup that everyone apparently knows your business, but not the two people that broke up, a different political view, a false accusation. We can get offended by people betraying our trust, cheating on us, offended when people don't do something we thought that they should, offense bumps up against our insecurities, right? It rattles us. Some people find joy in offending others. They like to rattle others. How many of you know someone like that? They like conflict. Can I just say, you can't worship Christ rightly and treat people like garbage at the same time? You just can't. How many of you know what a pressure cooker is? (laughs) Okay, good. A pressure cooker is an airtight cooking device that cooks food quickly. And so imagine our responses to offense are like a pressure cooker. When we take offense, it applies pressure to us. Whether it's frustration, hurt, disappointment, when offenses come, you might be one of these options, okay? One, you might put a lid on the cooker. You keep everything inside and don't express your feelings, and instead you internalize them. Two, you let it steam out the cooker. It's like you put a lid on it right away, but then instead of addressing it directly, the issue, you share what happened from your point of view with other people who weren't a part of the conversation, and the steam of gossip just comes out, which allows negativity to spread. Three, you explode the cooker. When you take offense to something, you attack right back, and you respond defensively, which causes tension and sometimes even more conflict. Or four, you unplug the cooker. Some people take offense and completely unplug altogether. You don't address the issues and you just let it sit and make you angry. That they suppress their emotions, you disconnect emotionally. All of these ways we, t- we take offense can lead to one thing, and that's resentment. Resentment is a deep-seated feeling of bitterness resulting from a wrong. It involves harboring negative emotions, often towards someone or something, due to the offenses that were taken. Raise your hand if someone's ever wronged you. Ephesians 4.27 says this, And do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. When we let resentment take hold of us, that turns into unforgiveness. The enemy wants us to drive offenses deep inside of us till it turns into resentment and unforgiveness. Refusing to forgive someone locks us into our own prison. And it torments us. You keep replaying that offense over and over in your head. You go to bed thinking about it. You wake up thinking about it. This ruins relationships with people. And I've been working on this, and God's been working with me on this. And it's funny, during sermon prep, 
I think that's why it was such a daunting task to put together because I really realized how often I get offended about things. Something I read, someone disagrees, all that stuff. I couldn't believe it. And noticing all these areas, big and small, where I chose to be offended and how that offense opened up my heart to resentment. Even God-loving girls can be some of the most offensive, offensive, offendable people on the planet. Let me say that again. Even God-loving girls can be some of the most offendable people on the planet, which is kind of ironic considering that our whole religion revolves around a relationship with somebody who dropped every offense we ever committed against him. When I think about that, it, oh. Colossians 3.13 says, don't be angry with each other, but forgive each other. If you feel someone has wronged you, forgive them. Forgive others because the Lord forgave you. To be a doer of the word, to be that girl, we must forgive others. We're commanded by God to forgive. And I hope you know tonight, this is not me saying that your pain is not important. Or it doesn't matter. Experiencing pain is unavoidable. Choosing to take offense is optional. Jesus heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Not only does he heal us, he has given us his spirit to help us in our, in our weakness. Romans 8, 26 through 28. And I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you, but to be a doer of the word, you gotta know what it says. Romans 8, 26 through 28 says, in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. How do we fast break from being offended? We got to remember even Ephesians 6, 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. Our fight is not against people on earth. It's not against your sister in this room with you. When those offenses come and you feel insulted by them, Remember, Jesus was insulted as he hung on the cross, and yet he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Be the girl that chooses to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and doesn't let anger and resentment take root in her heart. Forgive quickly. Another C.S. Lewis quote I read was, <laughs> this one, everyone loves forgiveness until they have something to forgive. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? You want to make it easier for you to stay happy, make it harder for you to get offended. We have to fast break offense. When you choose to fast break offense, sometimes the person who is being offensive will try to claim victory in the situation. But let the fruit of your life be your defense, your defense. Keeping, keep doing the right thing anyway. Everybody is different and we all handle things differently. And for those of you who can brush off offense, I'm, that's amazing. I want to be you. Can I say that? I, I want to learn from you. But for those of you who might have a harder time doing that, you struggle with holding on to it, one thing that's been helping me, and I hope that maybe this, this might either sound corny or maybe it'll help you too, but I picture that when someone offends me, throws an offense at me, and I want to react, 
I'm learning this again. I'm learning this. I'm going through it. But I picture that day when I get to meet Jesus face to face in the throne room with God and Jesus. And he looks at me and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. I like to think that he's talking about, you know, well done for not letting that offense build resentment in your heart. Well done for, for taking care of that and just running to me, keeping your eyes on me. And when I picture that, it, it's just special to me. It makes me just focus. Again, my eyes are on him. My eyes are on him because it's helping me change the way I think. And so Romans 12, we know Romans 12 mentions letting God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, right? You know that verse? I love that verse. Worship team, you can make your way up here at this time. But one thing, um, when I watch, back to basketball for a second, when I watched Caitlin Clark play basketball, I noticed something interesting, Almost every time when the cameras scan the crowd, I see all these young girls holding signs that say, I want to be her. Make me like her. They're holding signs that say, Caitlin is my idol. 22 is my hero. 22 is my goal. And if you know anything about basketball, some of them say, make me like Mike. But Mike's crossed off and it says, Caitlin. <laughs> like, and while this is natural for young girls to admire an athlete, how much more important is it for us to influence young believers? People are always looking up to you. Raise your hand if you are older than someone in this room. Oh, look at that. Someone's always looking up to you. Take a moment to think about the impact that you have. We are called to be doers of the word and being that girl for that girl. Be that girl who leads other girls. It's important to ask yourself, in what ways are you leading others closer to Christ? Or maybe it's more, in what ways am I leading others away from him that I need to, that I need to fix? Second Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And you, my friend, are God's masterpiece. He has created you anew in Christ Jesus so you can do good works. Amen? You were not designed to live a life of comparison. You were not designed to live a life of being offended all the time. You were not designed to be angry and hold resentment and hold bitterness all the time. God has a purpose for your life and you find that purpose in knowing him, knowing what his word says. Jesus is the way for you to get back to your intended design. I think about the opener tonight and some of the lyrics in that song say, now I know freedom, now I know hope, now I know love that will never let go, forever forgiven, forever I'm changed, and there's no going back to the day before I knew Jesus. When you spend time getting to know Jesus and who Jesus is and what he did for you, the freedom he has given you and how crazy he is about you, you fall in love with him. And as you start to fall in love with him, you care about what he cares about. You care about what he thinks. You desire to please him in all that you do. And tonight, there are ladies in this room who have let the enemy have a foothold on them. His strategy of destruction in your life has been working. And it's time to make those fast breaks. It's time to ask ourselves, 
do I compare myself to others? Do I let comparison dictate my mood, my choices, my words? Here's a hard question. Am I easily offended? No one wants to admit that they're easily offended. But it's really good to ask ourselves that. Do I get offended that I react offensively all the time? Am I easily angered? Am I holding on to resentment towards someone or over something that happened that caused pain in your life? What's the condition of my heart, of your heart? Will you stand with me? Thank you. We purposely created space for us to spend time with God at the close here to receive from God. And God wants to keep filling you, keep pouring out his presence on you. I believe he has more for you. And throughout all of this, my prayer, and I believe this tonight's gonna happen, is that he wants to empower you to be that girl, to be a doer of the word type of girl. And maybe for some of you um, stubborn ladies, this is my little reminder to you that you have to choose to forgive. Even when you don't feel like forgiving. I know that's hard, but guess what? Good news. There is nothing you can do apart from God. Nothing. He will give you the grace to forgive. And a lot of times we try to do it in our own strength. But there's nothing you can do apart from him. I'm so thankful for this playbook. I'm thankful for his word that is complete truth. You may be tired, you may be tired tonight, weary. You may be hurt because of what someone said to you or maybe what someone didn't say to you. But after spending time alone with God, he's gonna give you energy and strength to conquer whatever it is you're going through. And so right now across this room, how many of you would say, yeah, you know what? I don't want to live a, a life of comparison anymore. I don't want to live a life of being easily offended. I don't want to hold resentment and bitterness over something that happened a long time ago. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? I want to be a doer of the word type of girl. You know what I love most about being with a bunch of ladies? Your honesty and vulnerability. Sometimes making that fast break means we got to do something different. For some, that may look like getting out of your seat in a minute and just coming down and worshiping Jesus. Let him empower you to be that girl. So as the worship team sings this next couple songs, let's just let his presence speak to us, encourage us, and guide us. And my prayer is that you will say, you know what, Jesus? I want to be that girl. I want you to empower me. So if your hand was up and you're saying, you know what, Lord? I want to be a doer of the word type of girl. Would you just come out of your seat and come up front? I want to be a doer of the word type of girl. Isabel, come here. I'm so proud of you. Do you know that? Do you know that? Come here. No, that's great. I know you from kids' church, and I know you want to be a doer of the word type of girl. You love your Bible right? God is so proud of you, Isabel. So proud of you. I'm so proud of you. She's like, okay, Amelia, you're scaring me. 
No, but if that's you during this next song, let's just seek after him. Let's just seek after him. God, empower us to be doers of your word, Father. God, help us not live a life of comparison anymore, Lord. Help us not be easily offended, God. Help us fast break from all of that. God, the devil has no foothold on me any longer. In Jesus' name, as we sing.